Hey, everybody. We are GFBS. We're Grand Fork's best source. Welcome to your Tuesday. And they are back. Medical researcher Dr. Nick Ralston and from the Midwest Public Health Coalition, David Waterman. For the seventh consecutive week, probably might be the last one with these two guys. We'll wait and see here. Anyway, your show today brought to you by First Community Credit Union. You've been dreaming about your forever home. Well, forever, right? Well, now is the time to make that dream a reality. Now's the time to contact Craig Vensky, mortgage loan officer with First Community Credit Union. Craig can make your home buying dreams come true. With the low interest rates and quality service, First Community Credit Union can help you with all your home buying needs. With rates still incredibly low, now might be the perfect time. Make your forever home dream come true. Contact Craig Vensky at First Community Credit Union 701-757-6805 or email him craig.vensky at myfccu.com. First Community Credit Union, equal housing opportunity. If you have any questions or comments for David Waterman or Dr. Nick Ralston today, our phone number, by the way, 701-213-0863. Again, that phone number is 701-213-0863 and do a little tightening up here all right time now for a daily segment called jokes my neighbor tells me here we go jokes my neighbor tells me ah let's see here new car has been launched purely for american cowboys a new car has been launched purely for american cowboys it's called the audi partner All right, let's hear it. I want to hear the bad news, Paul. What do you think of that one? No, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Audi, partner. (laughs) Yeah, but it's probably really expensive. Yeah, (laughs) I'm guessing it is, too. Uh, Here we go. Dr. Nick Ralston back in the studios. He's a medical researcher and, of course, from the Midwest Public Health Coalition, David Waterman. Record setting. Uh, these two guys, because um, it, it's pretty much just the Waterman and Ralston show on Tuesdays now. Uh, first off, Nick, how have you been in the last week? Uh, great. I'm very happy that the weather is nice at present, but with five inches of snow coming, I think I'll be disappointed later. Yeah, and, and you know, I think we're kind of on the edge of it, so we might be around the three-inch mark, oh. which is okay. It will cover up my dog pasture uh, <laughs> because it's really coming out. <laughs> uh, Mr. Waterman, how are you today, man? Uh, I'm well, I was, as I said, I was out, uh, uh, sunbathing in my backyard earlier today. Um, it was beautiful out there. I love it whenever I see water in the streets. Yeah. Isn't that something? You know, that's, that's, uh, yeah. Be, Other times of the year, you don't really think of that as a positive thing. Right. But, but in February, when the streets are wet and there's actually, you know, and there are puddles, uh, next to the curb, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, big news. Uh, if you guys didn't hear, North Dakota House of Representatives passed a bill yesterday that would make future mask mandates illegal. Uh, the bill passed 50 to 44, next heads to the state Senate. Now, this was, of course, after uh, Governor Burgum imposed a statewide mask mandate, uh, even though, you know, this whole time he was kind of he was skeptical about doing it. Uh, the bill sponsor, State Representative Jeff Hoverson's Republican, he called mask mandates diabolical silliness characterizing them as a conspiracy run by unelected, wealthy bureaucrats who are robbing our freedoms and perpetuating lies. Uh, Several GOP supporters of the bill said they believe that the mask wearing does nothing to slow the spread of COVID-19. Of course, multiple health experts, including the nation's top infectious disease expert, uh, we talk about him all the time, Mr. Uh, Fauci, have stated that mask wearing is essential to overcome the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, Fauci even says possibly Americans will need to wear masks into 2022. Uh, first off, gentlemen, your thoughts uh, on this bill that was passed yesterday. We'll start with you, Nick. Well, I'm not sure that I think we'll be wearing them constantly until 2022. It possibly in the flu season again next year, it might be worthwhile. But if we've all got vaccinated, I think we're probably not going to be, need it as much. Mm-hmm. I mean, ideally, this is this is counting on the uh, UK variant not being, um, you know, immune to this vaccine. Yeah, and, and everything I've heard sounds like it's. Going yeah, to be they fine. claim that it should be. This vaccine should be fine for the UK. Um, uh, your thoughts on this, David? Well, I I agree with Dr. Rolston. Uh, dead people don't need masks. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so if we vaccinate everybody, uh, I think there are going to be a lot of dead people. Okay. Um, oh, oh, good the, grief. The, uh, <laughs> the, well, you know, here's the, the bottom line, and um, I don't think we have time because we've only got an hour, uh, actually less uh, today. <laughs> But the, the, as I've said before, the vaccine that they're talking about, the Pfizer-Moderna vaccine, are not vaccines. It's not a vaccine. Uh, the number of, and I thought that I had uh, the, the new numbers with me. I'm sorry, I don't. I think that the, the, the reported deaths now in the United States are up to 1,900 and something to 1,000, um, uh, according to VAERS, which is, again, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a voluntary reporting system. Sure. You don't have to write in and report that you've had a negative consequence or that there's some kind of side effect from the vaccine or even death. Uh, and, and so they admit that, that, that the numbers that they get are probably less than 1% of the actual, um, actual adverse effects, mm-hmm. which is what VAERS, that's Vaccine Adverse Effects Reporting System. That's what VAERS is. And so the last numbers that I saw were like in the 900s for, uh, uh, for, for, for deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's a lot of dead people yeah. who, who started off, or we can assume that they started off healthy. You don't tend to give vaccines to people who are already sick because they're already fighting something off. Every vaccine has, uh, has risks and dangers to it. And, and certainly this injection, which, as I said, is not a vaccine because it doesn't, it doesn't prevent transmission and it doesn't, uh, it doesn't boost the immune system. It doesn't prevent transmission. Correct. It does not prevent th- transmission. What does it do, Dr. Rolson? Perhaps you've read uh, upon that and you could explain to us so what the, the, the mRNA vaccine, well, as they call it, actually well, does. What is it designed what to do? What all vaccines do is no, 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 they, no, this all one, the, vaccines do this. They provide a protein for your immune system to recognize and respond to. And in this case, it's responding to the protein, which uh, is the angiotensin receptor. Uh, And I mean, that's an important receptor. Uh, Whether we're giving the protein itself or having the cells make the protein, it is the protein. Uh, Oh, oh, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. That's a, (laughs) we're we're talking apples and, and, and hot dogs here. Uh, whether your cells are wait, you just I want you to back up and just uh, think. Wait, as a scientist, you, you just said whether your cells are making it or which, whether it's injected, which we do all the time. Uh, what we're doing in this our, case is our cells, our make cells are making no, our cells are making proteins all of the time. Are Dave. they making pathogenic proteins? Of, well, actually, uh, unfortunately, if you're infected with a virus, they are. And while we were talking, wait I, a minute, I've well, got no, to no, go, no. I've got that, to go that, back that, a point though to the VAERS data that you were discussing because you said we've had up to 2,000 people perhaps die of this. However, we were having 2,000 people die per day from the COVID. Oh, wow. Okay, that's just false. Uh, no, that's that is not false. false. That is totally false. Okay, now... Uh, that's totally false. Even the CDC admits that that's false. We did get... Well, uh, we, <laughs> we did... We did no, oh, excuse me, guys. Um, we did get a, a, from Salisha as of uh, February 12th, 929 cases of reported deaths after COVID injection. 651 of those are 65 years and older. Now, here's my question to both of you. Indicating, um, it, it's, indicating that, the, that the, most, the people who are the most at risk for immediate death mm-hmm. from the injection are the very people who are supposed to be being protected by it. Sure. They're the very people that are most at risk from serious complications from COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And yet, even the elderly who get infected, 95% of them recover from COVID-19. 95% of them recover. So l- let me say that again. Even elderly with comorbidities, 95% of them recover from COVID-19. That's a huge number. How many recover? 95%. <laughs> okay, 95%. now, my question, though, is... Not, no, no, I've looked at the numbers. Yeah, well, and I'm fine with that. You don't like it's, that, but that's the truth. No, no, I'm, I'm not arguing that part at all. Okay, good. So why are we, why are we injecting toxins and a, and a completely uh, untested, completely untested medical device... On human subjects and, and suggesting that that's the most important How much more them. testing would you suggest should, should have been done? I don't know, five, ten years. That's, that's <laughs> Okay, now, that's, wait, 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 wait. What's normal? What's normal for vaccine testing? Go ahead. Well, Go actually, ahead. it does usually take a lot longer. This oh, one, okay. we actually did hit fast. I'm yeah, not but, sure. And it's brand I'm, new. We've never done it before, an mRNA vaccine. No, no, that's not quite true. We've been doing, actually, this for cancer treatment for some time, and we're actually one of the big benefits of this entire 
COVID adventure is we have greatly enhanced our capability of responding to carcinogenic cells. So, so uh, there's so, going to be benefits in addition to protecting the population from the COVID infection. So let's look at some facts. Okay, let's look at some basic facts. Um, the people that did the very short, uh, what, couple, two, three-month human trial, the people that participated in the human trial for the, for the, the Moderna and the Pfizer injection, they were selected. Uh, they, they all had to meet certain criteria in terms of age and in terms of health. They didn't test it on children. They didn't test it on the elderly. They didn't test it on people with comorbidities. Phase one, phase two are always this way. Uh, That's and, how they and, have to but be. But then they had to skip phase three and four, didn't they? There are no animal trials. All the, in fact, the animal trials that were tried a couple of years ago with an mRNA vaccine, the animals, they survived the first injection. They survived the second injection. They seemed to be fine until they were re-exposed to the pathogen, and, and then they all died. So we said, but, but you know what? We're just going to ignore that history with mRNA injections, and we're just going to go ahead and try them in the general public with no testing at all. What you're describing is a, a phenomenon that we're actually now quite aware of because it used, to yes. be, it, it used to be that we thought, well, you develop a good immune system and you've got a good response. You won't be prone to developing an infection. However, with this virus and with several others that we're now aware of, uh, if you have too potent a re- immune response, that's what kills you. No, it's I, actually your immune system throwing out so many cytokines that you're actually destroying your own tissues. And that's not an unusual and, phenomenon, and, and it's not something that's new. It's something we are aware of, and it's... Yes, so that's uh, correct. That's exactly so correct. So, that's so tell me, doctor, treating with so, steroids. So tell me, Dr. Doc, Dr. Ralston, is the cytokine storm which is an overactive immune response, is that what happens with a robust immune system or is that what happens with a weakened immune system, an impaired immune system? Which one reacts like that? Actually, we're still finding out because no, in okay. the... Well, because, <laughs> well, because we're still in, finding out. I don't know who we are, but the truth is that, that people who have robust, strong immune systems don't have that overreaction that you're talking about, what we call the cytokine storm, which is the result of about 65 days. Not quite true. Not quite true. But it's mostly true. Well, with cytokine storms, no, it's actually uh, uh, sometimes this is what's killing some of the younger people that do respond negatively and do pass away from the COVID. And as I said, said, a weak immune system, the cytokine storm, say that fast 10 times, uh, is what kills them. Yes, but they did not have a robust immune system or else they would have, had, they would have not had that response. The cytokine storm is, a, is an overreaction to an immune system that doesn't know how to respond properly. You're, you're suggesting that uh, if the immune system is strong, it will already know how to respond to COVID? It won't overreact. It's just like this, uh, doctor. Do, let, let me ask you this. Let, this let, is let's, all completely way over my let's, head. No, it's not. No, it, no, it isn't, Paul. <laughs> Let's 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 look at it. Let's let's bring it down to a, 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 a an understandable level. A robust immune system is an immune system that's strong and healthy and ready to do its job. Okay, mm-hmm. you can be strong and healthy, but if you become weak, uh, let's think. Um, so let's say that you go for a couple of three days uh, with very little sleep, two three hours a night, for two or three days, and. Um, and somebody comes in and, uh, and, and says something to you that's irritating. Now, normally, I think that you're a fairly level-headed individual. But once you're sleep-deprived and maybe haven't been eating properly because you've been working on this project for the last three days, are you going to respond in the way that you normally would? Are you going to say, well, oh, you know what? I'm sorry, but I, I don't appreciate uh, what you just said. But can we talk about that later? I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, um, well, or, well, or is it more likely that you will snap at them and that you'll overreact to things that normally you'd be able to handle. Well, I don't find that a very good analogy. I think it's an excellent analogy. How about we go to one that really does count, like uh, allergies. If you have an overactive immune response to a certain thing, you can actually die. And actually, that is one of the things we're finding. It's possibly the polyglycol that's a stabilizer in the vaccine. Polyethylene glycol, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very dangerous. Ridiculous. Why did they use that? 
Well, because it's a good stabilizer. And <laughs> it's, good stabilizer. It's, not, it's not polyethylene glycol. It's, it's, what, what we're using, it's not the same as uh, uh, antifreeze. It's, it's a relative of it. It's a simpler molecule. But, uh, it's, it, and this one metabolizes. The antifreeze, on the other hand, does not metabolize. So that's a big difference. Uh, so don't mistake the two. It's okay. important to not uh, do that. Okay, thank you. So, so, but it's, it's a known, that's, a, that's an agent that people are known to have a, a uh, immune responses to that are that are harmful. Well, we're finding out now. Unfortunately, why unfor- we, we, well, unfortunately, I, science in real life is you're finding stuff out as you go, and actually, we're finding things out as we go about which is, COVID since and, and, about this time last year. And so, isn't that the reason that we have testing? So we and, can find that stuff out in a laboratory-controlled environment? And you know what? I really would have loved if 10 years ago, when they canceled the original COVID vaccine development program that they would have not done that because we do know the coronaviruses are hard to develop the proper uh, response to because as we're hearing uh, our immune system tends to downregulate its response kind of rapidly so, so we work- did need to do that but they've been working 10 on COVID, years ago. they've been working on covid-19 vaccines for for 20 years or more yeah but they stopped it unfortunately that uh, program was kind of stopped because of uh, budget cuts okay now uh, i have a question uh, we know it, it sounds like it's been proven, especially in Minnesota, COVID deaths, they're skewing the numbers. They have been for forever, a long time. Forever. I, I did find out some on that. Yeah. And, and now here's what I want to know. Uh, 929 reported deaths from the vaccine as of February 12th. How do we know that somebody is not skewing those numbers, too? Uh, well, it's possible. I mean, like I mentioned, uh, one of the first times I was here, there is a story about the doctor that was going to give a probably a vaccine, let's say it was, uh, to a child. And just a moment before he gave the vaccine, the child went to an epileptic seizure, the first one the kid had ever had. Now, if he'd given the shot just a minute earlier, and then the epileptic seizure occurred, mm, sure. he would have been blaming the shots, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it would have been a totally different thing. It's an error in logic to assume that because of this, this happened. Co- correlation and causation is really easy to mix up, and even scientists it do is. it fairly often. That's right. But it's- it doesn't happen as often if you're very well trained and know, hey, I should be watching out for this. And most good scientists and most of the scientists that are on this issue are good scientists. They're not people that are going to be, it's not their first rodeo. This is exactly the sort of thing that they're trained for and have spent their life doing. This is not an, something brand new to mm-hmm. them. They're the best we've got as far as knowing what's right no. to respond so, so, to this. So I think that your point about uh, that, that uh, correlation does not necessarily equal causation is a great way to look at a lot of the studies that you gave to me showing that masks supposedly work to stop the spread of COVID-19. You have to look at it with a different model. I think that those, in order for an RCT to actually be to be considered valid, it has to be taken outside of the political context that we're in right now. And we have to have verified results. So uh, those studies uh, haven't shown that, and, and there's a brilliant analysis of that by uh, Dr. Uh, Denny Rancor from the uh, Ontario Civil Liberties Association that I'll read in, in part in just a minute. But the fact of the matter is, Dr. Ralston, all of this is completely absurd, rushing this vaccine to market with minimal to no uh, uh, really valid testing on the general population. No testing on, on elderly people whatsoever. There's none. Can you show me? Can you show me the, the Pfizer trials, the, the Moderna trials, even for a month, even for a week, where they took an elderly person with comorbidities and injected that, uh, that mRNA vaccine into them? Well, when it comes to public health, our goal is always to try and minimize risk and danger. And definitely there are going to be risks on the other side, too. We're never going to find something, whether we're talking masks, vaccines, or seat belts, or anything, that's 100%. There is no such thing. But we're thing. not talking 100%. But what we're, what we're drawing I, all I, the time is trying as much as possible Mike, to give the highest highest benefit for the lowest risk and definitely sometimes there is going to be how do you risk. determine what's the how do you determine what's the risk if it's if it's been untested in that population group how do you determine risk you just said what's the lowest risk how do you know what's the lowest risk we're going to inject you with something we've never injected people with before and we think that's going to be risk-free what 
We think the risk is going to be lower than not injecting it. We think it's, the risk is going to be lower well, than treating you with... Would with your a, alternative be that we stay shut down? Because we no, can't stand to do that much no, longer. No, we can't. We have to do something. So and just, so we did. So just so folks know, uh, my background is, uh, is actually in marketing. I have a, a heavy marketing background. And so I know marketing. And I also recognize marketing when I see it. And what we've been seeing is the largest anti-truth marketing campaign I've seen in my entire life. Uh, okay, well, you can shrug and you can harumph, um, but it's the truth. Harumph, harumph, harumph. I learn all kinds harumph. of new words on this show. Yeah, no, that, that, we got to add that one to the list. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. <laughs> the fact of the matter is that we're talking about a non-issue for the general public when it comes to COVID-19. The number of people at risk from COVID-19, the estimates are anywhere from 0.05% to 0.00007%. Of what? Uh, risk of death or yep. serious injury. Yeah, and right. I brought data on that today because I, we started talking about that, and I think it's an important point for people to realize that the death rates relative to uh, influenza are higher, and it's not an artifact. And actually, I did talk to some of my friends that are working in hospitals, and the whole thing about the being forced to write a certain thing in a death certificate other mm -hmm. than what it was, that almost exclusively is due to the cases where it was a heart attack or stroke cardiovascular a clotting event. Now we know that this virus interferes with the very protein that is central to the clotting cascade. So what we've got but is Dr. A, cat, a clotting event that was in a COVID-positive person. Now, but Dr. Wilson, that's not true. Quite, I'm you sorry. Might be quite let, let right finish. that perhaps it's not 100% that the COVID uh, caused the clotting. They might have already had a cardiovascular you know, type illness. But without the illness, they probably would have still been here today. Whether they would have still been here five years from now, well, maybe not. But, but it's but that's but I'm sorry, but that's simply not true because uh, people. Have, you're chat. You're you're actually then challenging what the people that are working in the area are saying. Yes, if that's what they're saying, then I'm challenging that. Yes. Okay. Well, then. Yes, we, because 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 let's, let's because get the together is, with them for lunch, and so, then you can so, challenge so when them somebody in dies, So when somebody dies of a gunshot wound, or somebody dies in a car accident, how do you prove clotting actually caused the death? Not the gunshot wound. Not the car. I'm accident. not talking about those. But I, I actually, am. Well, but and I you am. go ahead, and I'll agree with you on those. But I am talking about the number of people where there were actually issues. Okay, they initially were going to put down that it was a heart attack that killed them, but they were COVID positive. Well, was which one caused which? Is is it appropriate to say, well, it was a clotting event entirely independent of COVID, since we know COVID will cause clotting events? Well, so let's drill down. I, I, so let's let's, let's drill down. Let's right, drill down that on that. Let's drill down on was. that. How do they know that they were COVID positive? Uh, they tested. Oh, really? What kind of test would they use for that? We have two types. We have antibodies, and we also have, as we, we, all, we, we won't do another one of these, but we have had the chat before about whether PCR, if you go too high a number, uh, whether that's valid. And I think we kind of agree you go too high, you might actually be catching something that was exposure rather than infection. And that's, that's a valid point, and I don't disagree with you on that one. Okay, so Everyone is pretty much saying 34, 5, 6, you know, that number of repeats, that's cool on PCR because then you're actually measuring. Not reality. everyone. I'm sorry, not everyone. In fact, many people think uh, that the, 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 the cycle threshold should be no, law, no, no greater than 20. 35 would be the absolute top limit, but even then you're going to be saying false positives. There's no question well, about that. In, er in every laboratory test there is, you're going to have false negatives and false positives, and we unfortunately have to deal with that. Uh, in, the the, in the laboratory basis, it's, there are no certainties, just like there's no certainties with bulletproof vests. Well, what's certain, what's, what is certain is if you look at the people that tested positive and the people that actually contract uh, and, and become ill from COVID-19... It's, it's, it's way below 10%. In other words, you tested positive, you tested, I, we test 100 people who all test positive. The number of those 100 people who tested positive who actually become ill is less than 
Significantly well, less. And, so and what, what would that what tell I'm, us about the positives? Well, and that's what I'm actually hoping might be the case, that we've had a lot more exposure than we actually you know, earlier assumed. And if that is the case, that maybe even without the vaccine, we're starting to develop some herd immunity. But that's me saying starting, it, and I know so little starting, about this compared to the experts. Like Fauci? Uh, like Fauci? Experts that have spent their lives on something and that I trust because they are trustworthy individuals, in spite of what we've had some people try to suggest. We all agree that we have people that have a axe to grind, and they are grinding their axe pretty seriously. But I trust the people that I know, the people I know are reliable, high-integrity people that would... they. They have spent their lives learning how to save lives. They're not the sort of people that would actually put people at risk if they perceived a risk that was greater than the benefit they're seeking. What if they they perceived a a monetary benefit and that the whole reason that they got into the profession in the first place was for that? Or maybe they got in for the right reason and then somewhere along the way became corrupted and started saying, you know what, this isn't working out the way that I thought, but there's a great monetary incentive if I play my cards right. Do you know their hearts? I do not know their hearts, but, uh, right. I, but I, do know so, their, but, I do know their students, and their students, I know their hearts. But you know what? I think it's important to look at people and see what they do and what they say. And so if we look at Dr. Anthony Fauci and the things, the kinds of statements that he's made over the past year, I find him to be completely uncredible. I, I don't find him to be credible at all. Uh, he's changed his mind. He's changed his position multiple times. He's a humanist, which means that he doesn't believe in God which means that his standard of what's good and what's bad is based on his own ideas, his own mind, whatever he thinks. So, so for him to say, well, we have to, we're going to do this until we flatten the curve. Hey, has anybody heard about flattening the curve lately? <laughs> have you heard about flattening the curve, you like John? In 2024 or something like that, maybe? No, no, the curve was flattened a long time yeah, ago. I know. That's why we don't hear about it anymore, mm-hmm. because that's, okay, now we've gotten well, past that. So we're going to move the goalpost to... No, no, it's an ongoing no, yeah. thing. And as far as and telling... It will, be for, and, it, it will no, be for the rest of our lives, because it's a matter of control. It's not, not a matter of science or medicine. No, no, That's no, absolutely... Okay, you no. can say no all you want, but... But I, I Dr. will continue Rolson, to say no. The proof is in the pudding. And what no, we see in front of us is as, the number of people who have died as a result of the measures that we've taken to prevent people from getting this mild virus uh, that has, what, does it have more deaths than the flu? We can't know that. Let's, because let's the go back numbers, to the thing wait, wait about Wait a minute, Fauci. because the numbers have been so greatly skewed that we can't know what the truth is about Let's that. go back to the thing you suggested. and I, I, I have a hard time because I, I'm such a good listener. I maybe should not be such a good listener. I, I should actually say, no, we got to stop and top, talk about that point. Sorry, I bounced the oh. table there. That, that, that was me, sorry. <laughs> that was me slapping the table. I didn't, I didn't uh, break the... Anything. You don't need to karate chop the damn thing. <laughs> sorry. But, but, but anyhow, uh, on Fauci, okay, anybody that's ever been a coach knows that some kids, you have to tell them, okay, do it this way. Other kids, you tell them do it the exact opposite because they're doing too much of it. So whether you're talking early stage or late stage or individuals that are overreacting or individuals that are underreacting, of course you will be telling them different things. It's not that you're lying. You're saying you need to speed up. You need to spend a little bit more time working on this. Everybody that has ever coached knows you cannot be telling everybody the same thing because... That would be ludicrous. Oh, so now Fauci is the national coach. Oh, that's not a bad analogy. Yeah, he's the most, he's the highest paid, what, the highest paid uh, government employee that we have right now? Is, is he paid as much as a football coach? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I wish. Yeah, what in, is, in science, we don't get that. <laughs> what is, yeah, okay. So let's, let's, let's look, let's drill down on a couple of things. He's the brilliant expert. Uh, in this area, he knows it all. So, so, so we've got to be able to trust what he says. What was his primary? What was his primary treatment for COVID nineteen? What was he promoting as an effective, uh, as a, as an effective uh, treatment for COVID nineteen? And he did it. He did it multiple times. I heard him say it multiple times on national television, standing next to President Trump. What did he say? And we're gonna we're we're gonna try remdesivir because you know this great promise for remdesivir. Remdesivir. Oh, really? Remdesivir. You know what that? I know some people who were treated with that. You know what that costs per dose? It's a high price. Yeah. What is it? 
How I much? have no idea. $3,200, $3,200 per and disc. And actually, the numbers on those things hardly matter because, well, I mean, uh, it's going to sound like I'm saying the opposite of what I'm saying here. So, so uh, <laughs> let, let me finish it. So, I, uh, What happens in so many of these things is we've got an insurance system that will pay whatever is being charged. For instance, the treatment that we have for people that uh, are infected with trypanosoma, okay, when, when we've got... Uh, uh, when we've got T. Gandhi, sorry, uh, when you have that, the pill, we developed it. Taxpayers paid for having the work done. It's, in most countries, it's free. In countries where you pay for it, it's a dollar. In this country, it used to be $9. A pharmaceutical company got a hold of it. Now it costs $700 a pill, and you have to take three per day, 2100 bucks per day. And you and I and everyone listening is paying that because we pay through insurance. The remdesivir, uh, yeah, I agree, it's probably an inordinate price but what we've got is a problem with our system where, yes. where oh, we I agree shouldn't with, be i totally agree with you yeah, there I, mean, I totally agree with you that's like i wanted to make the point that here's, it's going to sound like i'm saying the opposite here, of what I mean. here's the question no and that's a great example yeah. of of malfeasance within the medical community well yeah well, no yes yeah. it is that that is exactly well, what Anna, it is i mean you did Anna, a great job of explaining that because that's true and that's just one tiny example of an of a very broken system here's the point dr fauci strongly promoted remdesivir as a treatment, as a therapy for COVID-19. And were the numbers looking supportive at that point? None at all. In fact, the no, CDC... They, they, they were at that point. How? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me answer that. Let me answer that. Let me answer that. Let me answer that. And I'll answer after you. The CDC did an in-depth review of people treated with remdesivir. They found zero benefit zero benefit zero that's that's with a z with a z zero and actually that that's not a surprise because we actually what we have happening in all science that's done quick is the first study that comes out and says they're finding an effect gets reported there might have been 19 other studies that didn't find an effect and they're not coming forward because they said well we didn't find the effect it's called it's called a publication bias, and everybody that's been in science long enough knows that, yeah, you wait until it's confirmed and confirmed repeatedly. Uh, now, maybe that was a gross mistake. Maybe it was actually based on an early study that looked encouraging. Unfortunately, we have lots of encouraging results that come up that turn out to be false. I mean, but, uh, but wait, 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 wait. Seen- Before we go into a hypothetical, let me just ask you, continue on the same train of thought, why is it that Dr. Fauci, who had knowledge of using hydroxychloroquine as a treatment for SARS, the first SARS, that actually that that showed great promise, that that actually was effective. Why is it that Dr. Fauci poo-pooed that and said, no, no, no we're not well, going to do un- that? Unfortunately, because, because we've had experience. We've had several times when we thought, I mean, the medicine was actually developed for treating malaria. Yes. It's, a, it's an anti-malarial that down-regulates yes. some of the immune system. But we have tried it on this, that, and the other virus that's come along in history. And, oh, it's always, oh, it looks, looks like it's going to be good. We do it in cell culture, and in cell culture, lots of things work that in the human body do not. And so we've had this experience rodeo after rodeo where, yeah, it looks good in cell culture, and you tested it, yeah, it looks like it must work. Then you do it in humans, and you go, well, it's not working so well. Except that it did work in humans, and they had proof that it worked in humans. Uh, the t- Detroit study had Whereas there was no where there was no indication whatsoever that remdesivir would work in humans. No, that's not quite true. Well, it is. Well, Okay. Let, 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 All right. So, I, I so tell not you what, quite let, true. Let's, let's email so, these past each other. No, so. the point is this. I'm, I'm making a point. Good. I believe that I believe that Anthony Fauci is a liar, and I think that he's done things that have harmed um, countless people uh, because of the recommendations that he's made by coming down on hydroxychloroquine and saying that that doesn't work. By the way, here's an interesting point. No, no. Let's, um, let's stop there because uh, you made a point, and I want to respond point. No, by I'm actually point. in the middle of making my point. Okay, go ahead. <clears> you guys each have about thirty seconds because okay. I have to make a point. Oh, make your point. <laughs> well, no, right. you, you, you go. Sorry, you're, John. You're, you're, you're number no, one. Here's 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 the point. Facebook deleted any any um, uh, any posts relating to hydroxychloroquine as a proper uh, um, treatment for COVID-19. I they hope s- they also said bleach is not a good thing to take orally. They, um, their, um, their, their team that, obs- the, the, that looks for, for dangerous information on Facebook and deletes it, they did that. 
for months about hydroxychloroquine. Good. Yeah. Except guess what? Um, after 44,000 Americans, I, I believe that's a false number, four, 440,000 Americans are dead, Facebook and American Journal of Medicine admit that their stance on hydroxychloroquine is wrong. They've well, admitted, wait a minute, they've admitted that it was wrong. They've admitted that now they know that hydroxychloroquine is a very effective treatment for COVID-19. And I believe that Dr. Fauci knew that when the whole thing started. Okay, let me see. Go this. ahead, John. You've got your point. He's <laughs> okay for you, you Go ahead. Yeah. And that's only one. I've got several <clears throat> of those. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. Dr. Nick Ralston and, of course, David Waterman on the show. You know, if uh, you want continuous protection to any indoor space, contact Pure Mist Total Indoor Environment Protection. They have a multifaceted process. Now, this uses advanced technologies, and it destroys contaminants in the air and on surfaces. Pure Mist can protect, well, any indoor business, all right? Uh, homes, businesses, classrooms, clinics, fitness clubs, uh, video podcasts, studios. I think you get the idea. It's the apex of indoor environment protection, destroying surface and airborne microbes, including viruses, bacteria, mold, fungi, allergens, odors, and active peers and FDA-tested and approved technology to reduce and eliminate SARS and COV-2. If you don't know what that is, that's the virus that causes COVID-19. Well, the studio here is now protected by Pure Mist. We have got the Arius Guardian Angel Purifier in here. Maybe you should protect yourself too, all right? It wouldn't hurt. Call Chad at 763-229-7969 or go to puremistco.com. It's protection of every second of every day, and it's 365 days a year. You just keep it plugged in. Pure Mist Total Indoor Environment Protection, clean spaces, healthy people. Back with uh, David Waterman from the Midwest Public Health Coalition, Dr. Nick Ralston, medical researcher. All right, guys. So uh, back so, to where you so, are. Go so, ahead and so, finish your so, point, you, and then I want you. to respond. The latest, I'm just reading this, is just published uh, January 8th, uh, 28th. The latest international testing of hydroxychloroquine treatment of coronavirus shows countries that had early use of the drug, and there were a lot. There were a lot of countries that used the drug early. We weren't. Germany, France, uh, Africa, that, of course, they're already, they're already using it. Incidentally, in, in the, the largest swath of Africa where there was no COVID-19 at all, those folks carry hydroxychloroquine in their pockets and their purses the way that we carry Tylenol or, excuse me, ibuprofen. Uh, I don't know to plug for any drug company. Um, and, 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 and so they take it on a regular basis. Why didn't they get COVID-19? I think that Fauci knew that from the beginning. Anyway, I'll, I'll continue. Uh, corona, uh, treatment early, uh, let's see, hydroxychloroquine treatment of coronavirus shows the country had early use of the drug had a 79% lower mortality rate than countries that banned the use of the safe malaria drug. Let me just, let me just bring that back. They had a 79% lower mortality rate than countries that banned the use of the drug. That would be the United States. Well, but did they... Um, is that irrelevant? Go, go down but a little bit farther in your page because it's citing the article from August, which was from Detroit. And in that study, they were finding what were beneficial outcomes, as the American Journal. Uh, but anyhow, they were finding beneficial outcomes in that study. But the Detroit study got later questioned rather severely, and there are numerous findings where you also have adverse effects. I mean, every time we do any Wrong. medicine, but we that's have not true. adverse effects. But that's no, not. The, but that, but Dr. Wilson, that's not true. And, an and this is no. You said too. American Journal of Medicine. This is a new study posted in the American Journal of Medicine in January, not August, not Detroit. But isn't a it new based on, It's based on the August. No, it's a new study posted in the American Journal of Medicine in January found that early treatment of coronavirus patients with hydroxychloroquine lowered their mortality rates for the disease. That was the same finding when, when the Ford Medical Centers did a, 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 um, a retrospective analysis of, of the different treatments that they used for COVID-19 patients. They found that they found at least a 50% reduction in mortality for those people who were treated with, with hydroxychloroquine over people that weren't. So this, this information has been around for a long time, and yet only now is Facebook and the American uh, Journal of Medicine admitting, oh, yeah, I guess hydroxychloroquine does work. I know a doctor personally who told me that he received a letter months ago from a state health agency who said, if you prescribe hydroxychloroquine for the treatment of COVID-19, there will be consequences for you, negative consequences for you. I said to him, how many of those letters have you gotten in the 30-plus years you've been practicing medicine? He said, none. This is the first. I said, oh, so that's not a common thing for you to be threatened by a state 
health board to not prescribe a particular medication? He said, correct. I've heard from, from pharmacists who've been told by the pharmacy board, if someone comes in with a prescription for hydroxychloroquine, you've got to find out what it is. And if it's for COVID-19, you are not to fill that prescription. This but, is but malfeasance the at the highest no, levels. What are the adverse effects? What are the adverse effects? Well, they found one, and they said that the one adverse effect was that in some people, it could c- cause prolongation of the QT interval. That's referring to from uh, in your heartbeat, in the upper chamber of your heart, there's mm-hmm. a and there's a there's a uh, a cycle that it goes through from the from from the from the first beat to the next beat, exactly, and, and yeah. it's measured in it's measured in milliseconds. Mm-hmm. So I spoke with a height with a uh, a, a very uh, very well respected cardiologist about that, and I asked him, and he said, yes, it's theoretically possible, but he said, in order for that to happen, the the the, the, the conditions that the patient had, the, uh, he's talking about somebody that's got heart disease already. He yeah, said the conditions for that condition. to take place, yeah. he said, are so incredibly remote. He said, am I saying it's not possible? No, it's possible. Uh, is it likely? He said, not at all. Not at all likely. In fact, the possibility that that would happen is so remote, it doesn't even bear mentioning. It's not considered when it's being used to treat for malaria, it is not considered when it's used to, for treating arthritis. It is not considered when it's used for treating lupus. So why is it that, oh, but, if we're tr- but it has no less risk in terms of prolongation of the QT interval than it's, if it, than it's as if it's used for treating COVID-19. In other words, it's not just, oh, if you have COVID, then that could really affect your heart. No, because it's not COVID that makes the difference. It's hydroxychloroquine itself. Every single drug on the market, every single drug on the market has a certain level of risk Mm -hmm. for negative consequence for somebody. But the risk of prolongation of that for that interval to be increased to the point that it could cause an abnormal heart function is so incredibly rare that it's not even worth, according to this cardiologist, it's not even worth mentioning. Well, and I'm, I'm not going to question him because I do respect uh, expertise. And so I would like to read this study uh, because when I last I heard, I apologize. I thought that was the August study, so my That's apologies. Okay. It's all right. But uh, if it is coming through that it is actually more effective than we thought, that's great. I'm, I'm going to be joining you in saying, well, okay, somebody made a mistake and we're actually having a problem here. But I, I do want to read the study first before we That's continue. That's fine. Yeah, I, have, I have a, a question that. The problem, though, Dr. Ralston, yeah. is, that in, is that it was already being shown to be effective in France. They were using it actively in France and in a number of other countries. And we knew that. And the American press got on board with Tony Fauci and said, hydroxychloroquine's dangerous. Don't use that. Well, no, and not, how many people not, died? Not, wait, wait, wait not a minute. Quite. How many people died because they didn't get that therapeutic? The studies that were coming out of France were actually pretty I mean, the sparse. I'm not talking about studies. I'm talking about treatment. I'm talking about people that are treating. I'm talking treatments. Yes. I'm talking about people that are surviving because they use hydroxychloroquine. But that's not the only one. Hydroxychloroquine, budesonide, and ivermectin have all been shown to have tremendous results with COVID 19. Whereas then they're, but they're all cheap. And they're all readily available. Well, steroids are cheap too. And that's what we're switching over to. What's that? Steroids. But, well, that, yeah. So, like, like budesonide. Right. Well, we're actually our death rates have dropped precipitously on the case mortality rates. That's actually one thing I did bring, which I intended to to share. Is I don't know if you can share. Um, can you get that onto the yep. screen? And I well, I'm showing that too. I got a question for you yeah. guys because I I, yes, I brought it up in the last show. Um, so did you guys watch the playbook for this? Did you guys watch that movie Contagion? Oh. I was going to actually one <laughs> I, one night I I actually was going to do it and I am I apologize I, watched, I didn't okay I'm a little bit better I watched the trailer for it. <laughs> <laughs> let's see if we can get this up watch here. that okay and uh, on that one I mean we've had some death rates now this is case mortality rates and they were very high in the Italian study the UK was actually slightly higher for a while too but on those you always have to worry about denominator effects because if we're not getting a accurate number of how many total cases there are then just keeping track of how many died is not going to be fully reactive but the thing that we can be proud of is the US actually has started and maintained 
find a lower case mortality rate than most other nations, and that's with our treatments as opposed to what other nations are doing. Now, if other nations are uh, finding greater success with the meds that you're suggesting, they should have lower mortality rates. But our mortality rates are lower than these nations. But you can't look at those unless you're saying that all those people were treated with this particular drug. Well, no, the, you don't the, know the, that. this is all, all treatments, whatever treatment they did. If, they, if some of them were treated with uh, hydroxychloroquine in the early times, that, that would be part of it too. So all, uh, all okay. mortality. And then you look at Italy. I mean, Italy's way up there. Italy the was huge and England the, the, was huge. But, but Italy has a, has a, 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 how can I say it? They're, they're, the number of people in Italy who, when this struck, the, the end, of, uh, of, uh, end of 2019, beginning of 2020, yeah, yeah, yeah. the number of elderly, unhealthy people in Italy was quite a bit greater than, the, than we have even the United States. Well, and, and like you've already said, and you know, I agree, uh, it is the elderly and less healthy that are the ones most at risk. And so, yeah. Right. But so, we, we did manage to do a better job of protecting. I mean, it went from Italy to Spain, and I, I had some friends in Spain that had some very um, you know, sad occasions too. It is the elderly and the infirm that are always going to be the most vulnerable to anything. You have a car accident and you're 90 year old person you're more likely to die i mean it's you know everything in your body is more vulnerable when you're very young or very old so this is just the latest study that shows the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine for the past several months the website c19study.com has been tracking the hcq coronavirus studies according to c19study.com there have been 237 studies 171 of which were peer-reviewed that showed 67% of patients improved with early treatment trials. But in America, people were told by their doctors, if you get sick, if you have symptoms, stay home until you get really sick. That's just the opposite of the way that we're supposed to be treating any kind of illness. It's like, hey, if you get sick, come in, and, and, and so we can treat you early early stage treatment. That's always the most effective. And why and, have we told people to do just the opposite? And case fatality rate is lower than the rest of the world. So what? It, it, it should be even lower still. What, well, so the I, fact I would that love it, that too. But it could have been. But it wasn't because of the gross incompetence or intentionality on the part of some people to drive this disease to make it look like it's the Black Plague of the 14th we, century. We have several times discussed the thing about that we want people to, uh, if they're symptomatic, not come and share their uh, germs with us, right? So that was part of what was going on there. If you're sick, maybe it's a good idea to just stay home. If you're, if you're getting real sick, definitely we want you to come in. But it would be a better thing for you to just stay home, get over it, hopefully you know, not too many days of illness, but don't go share it around. For something that they're shutting down the country for, stay home and get over it? That was the plan. That's, that was a stupid that, plan, wasn't it? No, no. Especially when we had... No, ex that's actually one of the points I really, really want to knock home. If this had been one of the bad guys we were worried about that had a 30% death rate, the avian influenza, if this had been that, how many of us would have been saying, hey, I'm glad I'm not wearing a mask? How many of us would have been saying, hey, I really don't trust our health care? We... We missed a bullet here because this was not a bad one. This was, well, I mean, it's bad enough, but it's nowhere near the ugly monster that we're sure is coming because there are plenty of them out there. And so the fact that Dr. Fauci said after Donald Trump was elected in 2016 said, there's going to be a surprise pandemic that's going to test this administration. You know what? Here's what I know about surprises. Um, if I'm holding a surprise birthday party for you, uh, you don't know about it. But I'm the one that's doing the surprise party, so I do know about it. The very term surprise means no one knows it's happening. And we Unless didn't, someone's we did planning not expect it. this one. We were actually expecting one of the H1N1 type varieties that are really the bad, bad ones that if they do come. Oh, so maybe he just misspoke when he said it was a surprise. Maybe he should no, have said I, well, it was a surprise. We have books on this, David. We have, I have, I can bring you three or four books that are talking, they're from like 2004, so it's not like a politically whatever. You, you, you seem to believe that there's gamesmanship going on politically, and the studies that I shared that showed 70% 
inhibition of influenza transmission. That was well before COVID. We're basing a lot of our results on studies well before COVID. And even if it was a political thing, your suggestion would be that every nation in the world is somehow or another being gamed by one political party in the United States. That's hardly likely. And I don't think it's got much possibility because people with integrity would not allow it. So I would the, not allow that on my watch. The, the people I know would not allow it on theirs. Uh, Is it that this, the NWO? NWO? Who, who's them? New, New World, World Order. Order. <laughs> I have not even heard about them, but okay. If, oh, uh, it, 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 really? Okay. All right. I'm sorry. That's that's fine. Um, so uh, apparently, that's a topic that we'll, gets we'll talked go, about. We'll, we'll go to lunch. We'll uh, go to lunch, and we'll talk about it because we certainly don't have time uh, here. Um, this is uh, Dr. Um, Dr. Um, Denny Rancor from the uh, from uh, from Ontario. He's a member of the Ontario Civil Liberties Association, uh, PhD. Um, has done analysis of I think the very studies that you wanted me to look at the ones that you're saying seventy percent. And so he quotes uh, a bunch of them: uh, Zio J et al. Um, uh, Long Y Yi et al. Bartosko. Uh, well, just go, to, just go to Aiello. I mean, that's the easiest. Here's, uh, here's, and here, here are their conclusions. Although mechanistic studies support the potential effect of hand hygiene or face mask, evidence from 14 randomized control trials with which of uh, these measures did not support a substantial effect on transmission of laboratory confirmed in- influenza. Actually, these are style. Uh, these are things that that the, the the director general of the World Health Organization was pointing to to say that's why we need to wear masks. Um, these are the studies that, that he was he was uh, suggesting demonstrate effectiveness. Effectiveness of nine N95 respirators versus surgical masking in, 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 against influenza, a systematic review and meta-analysis. Here's a quote. A total of six RCTs, randomized controlled trials, uh, involving uh, 9,171 patients were included. There were no statistically significant differences in preventing laboratory-confirmed influenza laboratory-confirmed viral, respiratory viral infections, laboratory-confirmed respiratory infection and influenza-like illness using N95 respirators and surgical masks. But here's one that seems like maybe it does. Um, let's see. Uh, four RCTs were metal-analyzed for and adjusted for clustering compared with N95 respirators. The use of medical masks did not increase laboratory-confirmed viral respiratory infection or clinical respiratory illness. And then there's some others that suggest, yeah, maybe they work Here's, here's, here's the, the, the response of Dr. Rancor to these studies. You failed to mention that such results set a probabilistic upper limit on mask effectiveness, and you failed to calculate this upper limit. Instead, you repeat the misleading notion that reliable evidence has not yet been found to confirm your adopted bias. In other words, if masks were even moderately effective at reducing the risk of infection, then a benefit would have would have been statistically detected in one or more of the many reliable trials that have already been made. More fundamentally, a major problem with your document is that you wrongly rely on substandard scientific reports as constituting usable evidence. With public policy, especially health policy, having draconian consequences, there must be a standards threshold below which a given report cannot be used as an indicator of reality. The reason that science requires randomized controlled trials with verified outcomes is precisely because other study designs are susceptible to bias. And I suggest that all exactly. these, well, right. the um, context uh, and the last last <laughs> last point that he makes, like, and this is I think the most important point that he makes, and it's one I've been trying to make. But he says a very you know, you'll like this, John. The context of a new disease and of a publicized pandemic is one in which all reporting, media, political, and scientific, is susceptible to large bias. The mechanisms of the biases are well known and anticipated, such as political posturing, partisan conflicts, career advancement, publication record padding, discovery recognition, public interests and public support mining, institutional and personal reputational enhancement, funding opportunities, corporate interests, and so on. And that is exactly why when it's your first rodeo, you have to realize all of these things. Stop with the first rodeo. Group bias is not an uncommon phenomenon. Large numbers Mm -hmm. of bias-susceptible studies that agree are of little value. Any studies that does not apply the established scientific tools for avoiding observational bias should be presumed to be biased in any draconian policy context. And, And 
Okay. If you can argue with that, yes, then please I can. Do. Okay, go ahead. Uh, and actually, several of those points are exactly the points I agree with you. I mean, so many times here we're arguing points where we're looking at the same coin. I'm looking at the tail, and you're looking at the head. But what matters is what's in the middle, right? I mean, we all agree the surface doesn't count on a coin; it's the metal. And what's in between matters. And on all of these issues, okay, there are these political posturing things that are going on, and that's got to stop. I can't stand but that. But it's political posturing it's, by professionals and by experts. Um, uh, by politicians, not mostly. By, okay, now, nope. now I've got a few things to say. Uh, sure, first sure. off, leading to that, I read a, a pretty cool quote. Uh, do not call it science if you aren't allowed to question it. Oh, absolutely. Call it a belief system. Call it a religion. Call it a cult. But stop calling it science. You should be able to question that. Now, we do have a couple of questions here. Uh, first one, can we ask uh, if there's been a study in progress on our blood supply before we contaminate it with vaccinating uh, people giving blood? Now, Salisha replied to that. Good question. Dakmin Blood Bank has a policy of donors waiting 12 months after getting an experimental vaccine before donating blood. However, they've been told to have donors wait two weeks after the experimental COVID injection. So all of a sudden, this experimental injection comes out and, and uh, the blood banks are saying, ah, now you only need two weeks. Well, since it's a RNA, uh, there's no chance of transmissions. You know, you, you can't transmit the virus uh, through RNA, so it probably is a little bit valid to make that difference. The point about science being all about questions, uh, uh, David and I were talking about the difference between art and science at the very beginning. Uh, here's my favorite definition of what art is. It's art if you find what you are looking for in it. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, if that's your thing, that's art to you. Yep. It might not be to me, but and you know, to mm-hmm. others, but it is to you. You know, as an the as a, si- but, uh, well, go ahead. I, I, so I went to school for art for a very long time, and if you're using that kind of analogy, I mean, one of the things that they could say to become a successful artist is that you need to learn all art so you can unlearn all of it to create something new. Yeah, that that that, and actually, and then then you're probably doing the cutting edge art that you know makes actually uh, really counts. Uh, for science, the uh, quote I prefer to use on science is, "It's science if you're finding out what is true about something." And I uh, I will not say that I have tremendous knowledge about this. I will say that there are people that do, and I will also say that every one of us would trust a mechanic that's got years of experience over anybody that is new to the business because a car is complex when it comes to the human body that's a hundred times a thousand times more complex than a car we and even then i completely agree with david that there are issues on this where we're learning and we might find out i'm i'm never going to be ever one to say that oh we were right from the beginning if we find out that we were wrong because exactly what science is is questioning Mm -hmm. everything we do if it turns out that we're wrong you'd better believe that i'm not going to be the only one that's going to be pointing out they're wrong everyone's going to be pointing out where they were wrong and you might be a hundred percent correct about some of the points you're making and i do want to read the paper that you just suggested because well, because you, i mean maybe hydroxy you know, co- back to is better than i thought chloroquine. Well, i guess uh, chloroquine, yeah. you know going to the analogy of the mechanic though if you look at uh some of these mechanics out there you know you try to find the one that's trustworthy because the ones mm-hmm. that have been in this game for a while they know that they're just going to find a bunch of problems for something that doesn't need to be fixed because they're trying to make more profit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's, that's true, too. I, I, I think it's a good analogy because we will find out, and uh, it's probably we'll know so much more about what we should have known in March of last year by not even, you know, March of this year, we're smarter than we were last year. How many mistakes did we make? Probably plenty. How many are we going to make again? Well, probably more than we want. But ideally, we learn from our mistakes and don't make those mistakes, you know, more anymore. But, I mean, we undoubtedly will. With that in mind, Dr. Olson, can I ask you a question? Sure. And by the way, I, I'm sure that you misspoke when you said that the, the human body is a thousand times more complex well, than a car. Well, maybe a million. Maybe Thank a you. million. Thank you. Or so. <laughs> or two. Yeah, okay. yeah exactly. Um, I, good. Okay. So, okay, you, you regain my respect of your knowledge of the human body, at least at a basic level. Oh, we, we, um, we, we, should, we, we have to have lunch someday because yes. there's some wonderful things we can chat so about I, that are not COVID-related but lots of fun. So, so, so here's, here's my question for you. Um, if you have one group of people 
who is promoting an idea and saying, this is true, we need to go with this. You have another group of people saying, no, this is true, we're going to go with this. And then this group does everything that they can to, to censor, to silence, to threaten, to uh, do everything that they can to stop this group from making their points public. Um, and then later on, way, way down the road, it turns out that this group was actually right in the first place. And that happens. And this group was wrong. That does happen. And when that happens, what should it indicate to us? Well, it's uh, actually, I, have, I myself, I've told you about some experiences in science world where I had to be the one that was fighting from the bottom up, and I did eventually reach the top. If what you're suggesting is true about the various things, and, and uh, I want to read the papers because maybe they're 100% true, but if they are, they are going to rise to the top. And then those that were trying to keep it undercover or whatever you're suggesting, New World order issue or whatever, um, apparently I've got a lot of catching up to do. You do. But... <laughs> but but anyhow, uh, that's so, okay. So, so, so don't hold so, that against you. So, so, so if any of that uh, you know gets validated, well, guess what? The people that were acting in the wrong, we'd better come down on them hard. Don't you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, and we will. And so 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 going to the next the next part of that point, if this group is 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 trying to censor this group, right? If they're wrong, the people with the wrong answer are censoring and threatening the people with the right answer. That's different from you and I looking in a test tube or doing an experiment and you're saying, oh, it's A. And I say, no, it's B. And we can argue about that all day. And obviously one of us is going to be wrong. Maybe both of us are going to be wrong. True. But if, but we're just at that point, we're just having a, we're kind of, we're, we're just having a very academic discussion. Mm-hmm. Yes. But when what you're suggesting is going to save people's lives, and what what I'm suggesting is going to harm people greatly, destroy their businesses, destroy their families, cause people to do all kinds of harmful things to themselves, and I'm attacking you, and I'm making sure that nobody gets to hear your point, then, then, then I would say it would be naive to assume that I'm just doing what I think is best. Well, but I think we have to agree that those that are if they do prove to be in the wrong, you and I and everybody else, every scientist with integrity, and that's just about every one of them I've ever met, is going to be saying, guess what? They were so wrong, and that can't happen again. And that's how science works. I mean, we move forward. Every once in a while, it takes some time. But we try to never make the same mistake more than once. I mean, quite too often we do. Yeah, and science should really be predominantly concerned with facts, yes? Absolutely. Facts and truth. Do you believe in absolute truth? Yeah, yes, I do. Okay, So, so the truth is and the facts are that these very wrong-headed notions, very dangerous and damaging, and in some cases um, deadly notions that have been promoted by one side predominantly at the exclusion of all else, who, the, the, the people that are trying to censor everybody else, um, those things are now being codified and they're being pushed on people in the form of mandates and regulations and Stores are being threatened if they don't shut their doors. Uh, uh, People, No, that's happening across the country. So now what we're seeing is it's no longer an academic argument. Now we're actually doing real damage to real people in the real world, and it's happening by the millions across the country with this one issue. For a virus that we both admit affects only a very small fraction of 1% of the population, why would we do that? Why in heaven's I'm gonna, name? I'm going to play the that. music because I know you guys got to go. Sure, and yeah. I just want to end this on one, uh, well, I don't know, more of a statement than a question. Uh, so uh, what was it? Uh, Governor Hoven? Bergam. Or Bergam. Bergam. Yeah. Um, is he, so he's trying to do a revote on this North Dakota. How about that? Yeah, um, because, because it was House Bill 1323 making it, I've got the bill right here, fantastic bill. It basically says the state or local elected official of the state or a political subdivision of the state may not mandate an individual in this state use a face mask, face shield, or other face covering. I will, I will just add to that by saying 
even if face masks worked 100% to stop COVID-19. And I believe that they work 0%. A Norwegian study said that it would take 200,000 Norwegians to be wearing a face mask to prevent one infection. I think even if they worked 100%, it would be absolutely wrong and immoral and unconstitutional for the state to mandate that you wear them. But the thing that... So this is where I was saying that this is more of a statement. So... Now, he's not going to veto this bill. He's trying to do a re-vote on it. Yeah, he's trying to pressure the legislators so, so that he doesn't have to look like the bad guy who vetoes it. And so if they turn around and they do this re-vote and all of a sudden a couple of uh, these people, they change their mind and they, they go the other way, right. I think that they should all get hammered down. Their bank accounts should be looked at. They should have uh, phone records and all this stuff and see what kind of pressure that was put on them in order for them to change their mind just suddenly. Uh, about that, though, uh, we, we do have to come to a close. And, you know, I, I, think, I truly think you and I sh- should probably get together and discuss more in person. But for that very point that you just suggested, though, that, okay, now we're going to make a law that we can't protect health. No, 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 not at all. No, wait, 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 stop. That's false. But Dr. Olson, that's false. We're not saying we can't make a law that we can't protect health. But you are suggesting that masks don't work and a whole bunch of other things that I do not believe are valid. No, I thousands of doctors and scientists are saying, okay. But you're free to believe what you want. But you're free to believe what you want. Doctors wear masks because they believe they work correctly. I mean, if you're working in the room of a COVID patient, are they going, well, I'm going to just go and uh, enjoy? Why does the doctor wear a mask? To prevent infecting the patient? When they're in the COVID room, not in the surgical I know. I'm saying, are they wearing a mask to prevent infecting the patient? (laughs) They're in to protect themselves. But I thought that my mask protects you and your mask protects me. Remember I said the difference between an N95 is an N95 protects me and the other masks protect others uh, from that's, me? That's the big difference. And that's how come everyone gets so confused about this. And folks, but, that's called mask we've, magic. We've got that's mons- mask magic. No, that's not. It's, not, magic. it's hardly magic. It's, it's kind of like understanding the difference between motorcycles and cars. But anyhow. I think the, I know more. I, I, the, I, the important <clears throat> point, though, is we do have monsters coming. And having a law that makes it impossible for us to do any intervention... Uh, that's that's asking, not what the law says. That's asking for you to put a gun up to your head. That's, <laughs> that's not what the law says. You it's saying put, you cannot make a mandatory mask rule. But you're making things up now. That's not fair. Yeah, is, I think is, people, can, I think people the, can have the choice. They can make the choice themselves. <clears throat> Thank you. Volume's yeah. going down. Okay. Thank you very much, gentlemen. <laughs> I hate to do that, and I'm just glad to see that you guys are still friends. Dr. Nick Ralston, uh, David Waterman. Um, you guys, it's been nice having you on the show seven weeks in a row, I believe. Um, I do know this. Uh, whoever makes the decisions on these things, um, I tell you what, um, they need some help because um, right now the county commissioners haven't even opened up the county building in Grand Forks yet, and that is just ridiculous. Anyway, special thanks going out to Do So Photography. Seniors, you've still got time for the senior picks. Red River, you have until April 1st. Central, you have until May 1st. Uh, just go to Do So Photography, get those senior pictures. Uh, maybe you want professional pictures. They'll do mini sessions for 75 bucks. They'll give you three digital retouched pictures, and they'll give you a $25 credit towards your card order. Uh, you can get the greeting cards done. Don't wait, all right? Call 218-230-4325 or go to dosophoto.com. Senior class of 2022, not too early to start thinking about your senior pictures either. And if your kids are in sporting events, check us out. Come take some pictures. Uh, get a couple of parents involved with the Cosper family. is very affordable. You can get professional pictures of your kids in the sport they enjoy. Family pics, baby pics, corporate headshots, product photography, branding. If you want to look the best, do so photography can do that. 218-230-4352 or go to dosophoto.com. Ah, boy. Hey, don't forget, uh, the best way to check out our show now, kind of a new thing, just go to the website. It's gfbestsource.com. Tomorrow, Polar Plunge is this Saturday to benefit Special Olympics of North Dakota. Jay Farmer is going to be back in the studio to talk about it, something you'll be able to see right here on GFBS. Make sure you like us, share us, and tag us. Everybody, you know, Grand Forks is great. Grand Forks' best source is giving it an identity again. I think next uh, Tuesday we're going to try to get a, a doctor. A doctor. Uh, Dr. Jean Gullix, actually, uh, she's very difficult. She's a very busy lady, and she has agreed to come on the show. All right. Excellent. Perfect.